look how sleek you are. How are you doing? Oh, that sounded very gay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm touching you. Yeah, it's all right. You, you are. You touch. look like, uh, I don't know, that shirt looks like some sort of, you're either like a mastermind who runs the world, a little Dr. Evilly, or I don't know. You look. Can I tell of, you what I am? What? <laughs> I am a guy whose wife has grown tired of me asking her what I should wear. And she went and got me like four casual outfits that I can wear to things that have numbers on them, like granimals. Like this, a child. <laughs> That's what I am. I'm is a this big why, child. Is this why guys like marriage? Because there's somebody who does shit for you that you don't want to do. Well, I is think, that the main part of it? No, I don't think it's that. But I do think, <laughs> I don't know about you. Do you have trouble figuring out like what looks right? No. I have a great deal I, in of In fact, trouble I'm with a it. very... Um, um, instinctive and decisive shopper. I will go in. I'm the same way shopping. Yes. If I say I, I, either on. it speaks to me or it doesn't. If it, if uh -huh. I'm wondering, then it's then the answer is no. Uh -huh. And if I want it, um, you know, I want it. I'm good with shopping. I'm not good with putting think combinations of things on. How often do you shop? Not that much. Very I, rarely. I was at the mall about a month ago. Maybe five weeks ago. I don't know. I mean, fucking A. I had not been, I, even before the pandemic, I never really go to a store for you. I'd see pictures of celebrities, you know, coming out of Vons. I'm like, why the fuck are they doing that? I mean, they must have assistance. You're buying toilet paper at eight in the morning. Are you nuts? I don't go to stores because I don't have to. So, but I thought, you know, oh, it's fun, they're open again, and I should see what's out there for my own self. I'm, I'm too in my bubble with shopping-wise. I mean, it was quite a mind-blowing experience being in the mall. What did you do? Did you go to Macy's? Well, we, to I went Wetzel's to the West Pretzel? Side, the one in Century City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, part of it is outside. Yeah. Interesting, like, the people with masks on were the least likely to be felled by the Andromeda strain. <laughs> it was all the 22-year-olds with masks on outside. It just fucking made me crazy. Do you ever wear the mask so you can... I will never wear a mask unless you force me to. I wouldn't even do it anymore, like, just if it was a walking into my studio, okay, we're playing this game. No, you have to yell at me, and then I'll do it. I wear the mask sometimes just so I can walk around at, like like Michael Jackson uh, with my face covered. <laughs> <laughs> so you're coming right from your show? I am. Oh, thank you. Oh, no problem. You're such a good Happy guy, Jimmy. Yeah, sure. I'll have a little of that. This is, this is from Mike Tyson. Is it really? Guests uh -oh. of Club Random with Bill Maher smoke pot <laughs> given to Bill Maher by other guests of Club Random with Bill Maher. <laughs> Provided by Mike Tyson. Right. I've smoked with Mike Tyson before. Who hasn't? He doesn't kid around. <laughs> he really, he loves his... Well, you know what? For you and I, I mean, pot is whatever it is. I think for him, it really... I, I got my Eddie Vedder lighter, although these uh, oh, Zippos okay. are right. terrible. They don't work. Um, but I think for Mike, you know, he really... Uh, it makes him a mellow, very different guy. And he's not a guy you want to be unmellow. <laughs> I mean, you know, of all the guys, you don't want to be, uh, you know. Yeah, he's maybe he's medicating himself, but whatever he he's doing, it seems to be working. It's totally working. Did you see <laughs> that fight? Uh, On the plane? He fought, um, who'd he fight, Roy Jones Jr.? I don't know, about six months ago. No. Tyson, he had a pay-per-view oh, yeah, fight. Of course. It was totally fixed. What you know? happened? 
Well, first of all, he looked really good. I mean, he, he, it was surprising how good he looked. Roy didn't look so good. He clearly beat Jones, but they obviously made some kind of a deal beforehand where they would declare it a draw. It was not a draw, but it was a draw at the end. But these two men in their 50s punching yeah. each other? Yeah, and that, that, Mike's quite a bit bigger than, than Roy. I think Mike might be 10 years older, too. <laughs> I, how old are you? I'm 54. Can you imagine a man punching you? I mean, how fucking ridiculous is that? Let me tell you something. But, today, I, I did something uh, today in which children threw dodgeballs at me while I was trying to shoot a basketball, and it was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> I was getting hit yeah. with these light rubber balls. I was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. So I was on your show, when was it, like a month ago or yeah, something? Yeah, like five weeks, I think. And I think it was, I think I was mentioning that it was, is it 20 years since we passed that baton? It's it is so almost, funny, yeah. that sign behind you. Yeah. I mean, Politically, that, I yeah, love seeing that. that. I love that you keep this stuff because it makes me feel okay about keeping my stuff. I have well, a big man show sign, you know. Yeah. I mean, they were just gonna, how can you throw it out? That's it's how I feel. That, My wife would tell you how to throw it out. Yeah. There. <laughs> I mean, there'll never be a better title. I wish I could use the title. It's a great title. Yeah. And it especially was in the day because it was new. Yeah. You know, people weren't saying that. They were saying politically correct. I remember we had a lawsuit about that because somebody else wanted to use that. And we said, no, we, we made that. I never told you this, but there was a, when I was a, disc jockey here in LA, there was a guy, a producer, who wanted me to host a show called Athletically Incorrect. Did you ever yeah. hear anything about no, that? No, but there was, there was a time in the mid-90s after we were on for a year or so when there was a slew of copycat shows. I remember being very, very worried about it and talking to my producer, uh, Scott Carter, God bless Scott Carter, all those years, such a great guy. Great he is a great guy, producer. super smart guy. Oh, yes, yeah. and just a great human. And he uh, and I was like, they're going to take the show. And he said, you know, think about the people who have cycled through here that we tried to teach how to do this kind of show, and they couldn't get it. He said, they can't rip it off when they're trying to learn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, when you're telling because them we how were, to rip it off. Well, we <laughs> always were doing something that was different than the other shows. You know... And they couldn't rip it off. When we did the man show, which you were on... Yeah, and, of course, I'm sure. And, um, and I don't remember it, but... I remember it well. It was it was some kind of a, a bit where I married a monkey, and, and then... Oh, um, yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> and then at the, the end of the bit, I look across... Um, we were wearing tuxedos for some reason. Yes. I look across the room. Of course, you're a monkey. And you were there with a, your own monkey. <laughs> <laughs> like it was a thing. But there was a show called The X Show. Yeah. We made this man show pilot, yes. and then it took like a year before it was on the air. And in the meantime, FX, which was a new network, stole the idea. First, they tried to buy the man show, and we sold it to Comedy Central. And then they asked me to host this show that they described to me. I was like, this is just like the show I'm, I'm doing, except for where it was five nights a week. And they bought time in our premiere episode of The Man Show. They bought ads from the local cable operator. And we were just so angry. And we were just like, we, they were like our arch enemy, and it's all we could think of. And it's funny now. It's like, it didn't work. 
It, it was terrible. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? But it was the biggest thing in like, in our office no, at that time. The, the brand of show business we're in is the most disposable. Like, movies last forever. You know, people still watch fucking... It happened one night. I mean, it looks like it was made in the Middle Ages, but yeah. it was only 1935, and it's on film, and... And what we do is gone by the next week. It's it's sour milk, you know. Yeah. It's it's so disposable. But for me, I come from radio, which is even lower on that disposable yes, ladder. So as low as it gets. I saw even <laughs> just the fact that somebody is saving the tape of the show, which you know, in radio, you you want the show, you buy cassettes, you bring them in, and you take them the show. They didn't home. used to save them. I mean, Car- not at all. Carson yeah. used to complain that. There were not, those first few years, there were some were on a kinescope. I never even knew what the fuck that was. They yeah. used to talk about it, and it was like, what is a kinescope? I don't know, it was something. I think it was like making a picture of a picture somehow, so they had a few of them like that. But those early Carson years, they don't even have, because nobody thought... They would reuse those tapes. <laughs> they would use them for anything. Yeah, It's hysterical, the lack of foresight. It's crazy. Yeah, and yeah, even, yeah. How much could a tape have cost back then? But that was the same with our radio show. Also, we had a thing where... Were you a 34 when you started? If you're 54? This show? Um, Your show. 35, yeah. 35. Yeah, Yeah, I was about that exact age when I started Politically Incorrect. Hmm. It's funny. You look back, and I'm sure there are people who like our earlier work better. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, yeah, there are. <laughs> uh, but Maybe. I look back and I would just fucking cringe. I mean, if you really wanted to torture me, make me watch something. Same here. Well, I, I, I mean, it. I don't even watch it now. But, but But if I did, and occasionally I do to check on something, uh, especially the parts that are written, which I worked on all week, um, I can watch that and go, oh, okay, I, I can totally live with that. I didn't stumble over one word. If I stumble over one word, I'd like it's ruined. It's a bummer, right? You know, yeah. but, uh, but, but to ask me to look at something all those years ago, first of all, I would have zero recollection. It would be a total shock. And maybe there'd be parts I'd go like, oh, that guy, that was pretty cute of that guy. But there would be definitely parts where I would go, oh, what a fucking douchebag. Oh, yeah. And I, that would be just exquisite torture. Yes, it's terrible. It's, but, I, I've had that. I think I feel like I've had that my whole life with everything. Like, I wanted to be an artist when I was a kid. And you draw something. You think it was good. You show it to your mom or whatever. And then, like, two years later, you look at it. You go, oh, God, I thought this was good. And then you start to question whether what you're doing at that time is good. <laughs> I, I guess eventually you probably reach a point where you've peaked, where maybe you'll enjoy looking back because you were better. No, I don't think I ever would because I feel like, I mean, what I really want to be is the most sophisticated I can in the best sense of the word, not a pretentious sense. And I just was less sophisticated at that age. I might have not have been unsophisticated for my age. Right. But when you look back from 50s and 60s at 20s and 30s, you're not that sophisticated. You think you are, and you're more than you were when you were a teenager, of course, but there's just, you're just not what they, I think, used to call seasoned. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, you don't know things. You like don't I heard, know, you don't know I heard you things. On, there you I go. I heard you on one of the earlier podcasts talking about gazpacho and how you, yes. when you learned that it was cold soup. And that's my book. That's one of the, that's that, I think that's a, uh, right. it's a very salient point, you know? It's, yes, it's, everything you, the gazpacho, the, I was obsessed with this gazpacho. <laughs> because it, it's, you know, it's funny what sticks in your mind. For some reason, I guess because I was so humiliated at that moment <laughs> when I tr- was making a thing with the waiter about the gazpacho soup being cold. Uh, it must have been seared in my mind. And it just, I do want to write that book, Gazpacho Soup is Cold, because you every single thing you know in your life, you did learn at a particular instant. You don't record the instant, but you could. Can I tell you what I didn't know when I was in my uh, mid to late 20s? I would, um, I, th- I thought fish was healthy. <laughs> and, I, and so I would get fish and chips for lunch almost every day. Now, Wait, and now fried. you don't because of the mercury and stuff like that? No, it's just, it's a big blob of fried dough over well, a piece of... Well, you don't have to fry fish. Well, no, fish and chips, like the traditional fish and chips. Oh, but you just said fish. I you think all fish is unhealthy? No, I no, I think oh. I grilled fish is great. Oh. This was like you know, like a f- fried oh. chicken version of fish. Right. And um, I thought I was eating. I'd have French fries with it. And I was like, I'm eating as healthy as could be. Right. I would oh, have yes. a bagel every morning and think like, oh, this is good. I'm not putting much butter on it. You know. We don't know any. We're not taught the I, important things. Uh, well, now you're. Jimmy wading into my deep end of the yeah. pool because this yeah. is the area w- that makes me ballistic. I we could spend the whole rest of this time talking about this subject, but I feel like uh, maybe I have an ally in you. I don't know if I do on you all do. these things. You really? Do. Oh yeah. Okay, but just let me just address the general first, which is that somehow at sixty-six, even though I understand that my body is not in the shape it must have been internally and in some ways externally that it was, I'm so much smarter about my health mm-hmm. than I was in my 20s and 30s that in some ways I'm actually healthier. And you can look at even in the numbers. I feel the same way. Which is amazing because to your point, I had so many bad ideas. And of course, when you talk about bad ideas about health, That's given the fact that we already, with our best ideas, don't know a lot. So if you have bad ideas based on other bad ideas, that's a lot of bad health. And yes, I was the same way. I thought, we all thought, that uh, I can't believe it's not butter was was what you should eat. And now it is illegal. That is trans fats. Trans fats are illegal. And that is what they told us to to eat 15 years ago. To this be healthy. Is, this is my, why I am so skeptical about COVID and all the way we handle it, because the bigger question about health, they just don't know that much and they're wrong a lot. So don't sit there in your fucking white coat and tell me, just do what we say, because when have we ever been wrong? A lot. You've been wrong a fucking lot, including about this. I seem to remember six months we were wiping off the packages. Right. Lots of things you're wrong about. The vaccine could prevent you, would prevent you from getting it, no, or giving it, no. Okay, you weren't trying to be wrong, but don't be arrogant about how much you're right, because it's not very much. Club Random is supported by ZipRecruiter. 
There are so many more things to do during the summer months and you want to free up as much time as possible to enjoy them. So if you're a business owner, the last thing you want to do is sort through tons of unqualified candidates resumes when you could be doing boss things like barbecuing or cooking the books. You don't want to be out on your awesome boat sifting through resumes or worrying about who you're going to hire instead of improving your putting. You're a boss. It's summer. You have time for this crap. That's why you need ZipRecruiter for your hiring. They do the work for you. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com random. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated hiring site. In fact, the hardest thing you have to do is to remember our special URL, ZipRecruiter.com random. That's where you go to try ZipRecruiter for free. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com random. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Anytime people are getting married, there's a lot of excitement and anticipation and stress. Like if I get invited to a wedding, I'm so stressed that they're going to find out I lied to get out of it. How many times in one year can you fake COVID? Whether you're going to be in the groom or in the wedding party or just trying to crash for the free liquor and bridesmaids trying to prove a point, Indochino is the place to turn. With a custom-fitted suit from Indochino, you'll look great, feel confident, and enjoy the big day without fussing over your clothes. Choose every detail on a suit, shirt, dinner jacket, and more at affordable prices that may surprise you for fully custom pieces. Every suit is made to your exact measurements, and you can customize every detail. The best part? Indochino suits start from just $429 and shirts from $79, so you get a personalized wardrobe without spending a fortune. If you've got a big day coming up, getting the perfect look is no big deal with Indochino. Get $50 off on any purchase of $399 or more by using promo code RANDOM at Indochino.com. That's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com, promo code RANDOM. Do you feel, though, that now, knowing what you know, do you feel like you're at, in that place that you were at 10 years ago or 20 years ago where the conventional wisdom is what we accept? We know that grilled fish is good for us. Some are maybe not. Some are worse than others. But well, we know maybe fit. we'll find out it wasn't. I mean, any fish that lives in the ocean is never going to be 100% good for you because the ocean is a fucking cesspool. We've yeah, turned there are it many into that. lakes, and you can yes, have a nice right, salmon fresh, out of a river. Yeah. I mean, most bodies of water are somewhat polluted just because what falls out of the air falls into the bodies of water. Mercury mm -hmm. gets into the water no matter where the water is because it falls from the clouds. And fish eat that, and we get it in the fish. Some fish are worse, obviously sushi. There are people who eat a lot of sushi and have a mercury poisoning. That's how much fucking mercury there is in the fish. Jeremy Piven had that thing on Broadway, remember? Allegedly, yeah, right. Alle oh, it's, it, it, we, <laughs> I don't know, I think he was, wasn't he trying to get out of that play? <laughs> uh, I seem to remember that, yes, yeah, that's possible. I remember a lot of scoffing. That's what I remember from they that They would write time. a book about it. He blamed it on the fish. <laughs> The Jeremy Piven story. Uh, but certainly it is bad for you. When you, tuna has tons of it, swordfish, I used to love to eat, I won't eat that now. Yeah, swordfish um, Any deep sea fish is gonna be full of mercury, and mercury is super bad. 
for what's inside you. This is another thing about vaccines. You know, I've never been anti-vax, but don't tell me that you know how vaccines will interact with how much mercury I have in my body or how much electromagnetic energy I get exposed to, how many of the 50,000 chemicals that were never around 100 years ago that we ingest now are in the atmosphere. There's a million different variables that can affect my health. So right. don't, don't pretend that there are definitive answers about any of this. But don't you, uh, do you regret having the polio vaccine, the rubella vaccine? It's a, you know, it's a... Did you get the shingles I would vaccine? have to go through them case by case because to me, vaccines are always a case by case. There are some, yes, that I would endorse. Um, and some, I, I did, certainly didn't want the COVID one. You didn't want to get it? No, and I did. Uh-huh. Because I couldn't have like led a life without it and still couldn't right. today. But I'm not going to get any more of it. No, I uh, will. I will for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're different on that. Yeah. And but yeah, I don't know. I, um, I don't know. I, even the idea that mercury is bad for you, like how do we know that? Mercury is bad for you? We do know that. But how do we know it? Who Be told us this? Okay, well, peer-reviewed studies told us this. Right. And it's, it's almost commonsensical, but, I mean, there, look, I'm, I'm trying to lay out the case that I'm the medical skeptic. Right. But if the question is, is mercury bad for you, I feel like that's on the side of settled science. I'm good with that one. I don't need to look into that one anymore. Mercury in your system, not good. Do you feel... Neither is lead. Yeah. which we also have in well, our Well, no, body. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying they are good. I'm not These even are, questioning it. I'm just, just well, why do we decide metals, that certain things Metals are, in people's body is something that they don't look into enough and is very often, I've certainly anecdotally heard from people uh, who say, I know one person in particular who was like, she had all these horrible kind of like, you know, those diseases they call fatigue diseases, yeah, you know, bar. Bar, uh, yeah, yeah. Epstein-Barr, which is a virus many of us have in their bodies. I have it in my body. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of, you know, fatigue syndrome, whatever they want to call it. And she said, looked at a diff million different things, many different doctors, had the mercury drilled out of her teeth, problem went away. Mm. Mercury, they used to drill it in, I had it drilled. Yeah, I had it, yeah. You, did you have it drilled out? Yes. I had them right. Well, yeah. if you're, yeah, the metal fillings. So. If you're not sure about that, why'd you do that? I was a kid. I my my parents. I, I had no decision really in it. They they drilled it in and then drilled it out while you were still a kid. Yeah, they drilled in when I was a little kid and drilled it out when I was like 13 or something, 14 maybe. Wow. Yeah. They well, said they had to. It was like falling they, out. Yes. Yeah. And it's bad for you. Yeah, I don't know what, like, what their reasoning was. Their reasoning may have just been... It's poison. We that, want to sell you another reasoning. filling. We don't want poison leaking into your body from your teeth. Yeah, I mean, that could have been it too. But I, yeah. I tend to think that... Uh, I, I tend to think that they're just like dentists trying to make another 60 bucks. Not in this case. Yeah, well, no. I, if, I, if you leave here... Thinking one thing about Club Random, <laughs> I hope it will be mercury bad. Mercury bad, 
don't get mercury in my body if I can help it. I was going to ask you why it was Club Random, but I think I understand. <laughs> I don't think I need any explanation. It's interesting, you and I. You know, we have so many things in common and so many things unincommon. Yeah, we. That's true. Like you, you're a guy who loves to be married. Yeah, and I'm a guy who obviously doesn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you yeah. even is your wife still the head writer? She she's yeah the head writer. That's yeah, unbelievable. Producer of the show. Talk about someone who you can trust, huh? Yeah, because that's a real trust job. Totally. You know, it's, if you yeah. uh, and also who it's like chief of, knows you. you it's know? like chief of staff if you're president. Yeah, right. Like who knows what you would want and, and right. not want? Right. Even more importantly. So it's yeah. not just the shirts that she does. <laughs> Yeah, it's not just the shirts. It's, it's the show, pulse, the pulse show, surface. and the shirts. That is a hell of a wife you got there. <laughs> yeah, no, she's good. Sometimes if I think of something funny in the middle of the night, I'll make a lot of noise so that it wakes her up, and then I'll act like I did it unintentionally, and then I'll tell her the funny thing that I thought of, and uh, she almost—I mean, she courtesy laughs, but I don't think she's. But then she puts it in a bit. Oh, no, it's usually ridiculous. You have some, cl- I must say, you do have some classic bits. The the tweets bit. That was her idea, my wife's idea. Really? Yeah. That is, yeah. A, I mean, you know, not it's a good bit, every yeah. bit is a classic. That's that's a classic. Yeah. And the other one, the, uh, you know, bleeping. Yeah, the unnecessary censorship. Yeah, that's something I started doing on the radio. <sighs> Is that right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It goes was, that far back? Yeah. It's just <clears throat> the, it was funny to so funny. put bleeps where it's, we had to cut the it's tape. A scream. It, where they don't belong. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I, I always got to. Yeah. Kick that's out another of it. gold. It's it's those things. Those like recurring. Oh, they're I mean, the, what a life raft that new is. New rules, obviously, yeah. and some of the. When you figure that out. I don't know if it's true. I just I, I don't know it for a fact. I just know it's true. And our twenty-four things. I love those refillables because we're we're old school fans of the yeah. old. We grew up on. I mean, I know you adore Letterman. Yeah, right? his, he's your big hero, right? Yeah, Letterman, Howard, Howard. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and he's still your boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> now, how did you wind up up Howard's ass, but you couldn't get up Dave's? That's my question for you, Jimmy Kimmel. Um, I'm sure you tried. No, you I must. just. You know, I feel like Howard, no matter what he says, seeks human interaction. And I don't know that, at least with me, I don't know that Dave would be interested in that. And I would never want to, like, bother him. But Howard and I have a lot in common. We started in, you know, he's still a radio guy. I was a radio guy. I got into right. it because of him, really. And um, and I, I, my uncle would send me tapes of the show on WNBC make a cassette tape. He'd send me one once every two months and I would listen to them over and over again. I right. feasted on them. Right. And our talker, this is the difference between your age, which is about a decade before mine, and mine. Because like you're Howard Letterman, whereas I'm Carson Jack Benny. Right. No, not Jack Benny. <laughs> no, Jack Benny. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who the other one would be. <laughs> But it was probably somebody on the radio. You know, it, I, I did listen to, like, the disc jockeys on WABC, Dan Ingram in the afternoon. Cousin Brucie, I didn't want to be him. Dan Ingram was re- very sophisticated. But 
but definitely Johnny Carson. And, you know, we wanted to be that guy. I think that guy to us was, I mean, we're, we were never going to be like the athlete of the school, you know. Right. That's not what we're going to be. We weren't going to be the leading man in the drama club, mm -hmm. but we could be that guy, you know. That was yeah. our version of James Well, I remember Bond. when uh, college kids I would talk to started talking about Conan in the same way that I spoke about Letterman, because it's whatever you're, the first thing, the first one you're exposed to is the one that means the most. Right. Like Johnny, right. for you it was Johnny, and then everybody else after Johnny is like, um, when When there was that Conan-Leno kerfuffle. Right. Ugliness, not Ugly. since the war between the states, really, <laughs> or the, maybe it was the rap feuds between East and West Coast. I don't remember, but not since something. Was there something that was that contentious? I'm, I remember at the time, this is so funny, I, I, it was like 2009, I think. Yeah, it sounds right. Okay, so my girlfriend at the time was 25, and I remember, you know, it was very uh, important thing in the our world. Yeah. And I was explaining to her, I said, well, you know, it's a generational thing. Leno is 59 and Conan's like 46. And she went, yeah, that's the same thing to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually felt better because I was like, oh, you know what? Uh, that's good because that means I'm in the same boat with everybody over 40, you know? And yeah, yeah. and that category is, you know, yeah, out of range. <laughs> right, fuller, but but I don't know. I mean, were you a team? Were you Team J or Team... Oh, definitely not Team J. No. No, I was like... Oh, yeah, of, you have a feud with him. I was kind of in the middle of that whole thing. You have a feud with Jay thing. Leno? Not, not anymore. I did, though, About one time. About what? He's such a nice guy. I know. You always say that, and I go, <laughs> hmm. What am I not seeing? You know, there's this evil Jay that, that I don't see. Really? I mean, is that really what you think? Tell me what you really think. You think I am yeah. blind to a, no, a, a I, Machiavellian side of Jay Leno? Uh, maybe. I don't... I don't it, okay, yeah, you, if, you can say that. I mean, unless you're like, joking. I'm not joking. Well, well quite, he's quite clearly very <laughs> a cunning individual, let's just say. I mean, Because he hid in the closet that time? He who hides in the closet and listens in. But on his own... Uh, who's ever done that? Okay, but he did it. It's like a his, soap opera. Wait a second. He <laughs> did it on his own behalf. He didn't do it to rat fuck someone else. <laughs> he did it to rat fuck Dave. What do you mean? To rat fuck Dave? Letterman. I mean, How did wanted... that rat fuck Letterman? Well, it was part of his campaign. I mean, you know, you go through the whole thing, but basically that was part of him gauging what NBC was planning to do. I don't recall exactly what that conversation was. Do you? But no, I think but, it may have been but about... But they were vying for this same... They were vying for this one coveted spot, the host of The Tonight Show. It was the holy grail of comedians that it would be passed right. on. To. So obviously, it's the Super Bowl trophy. They both want it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I find something wrong about the hatred of the people who oh, you just went for it and got it and won. And then, by the way, he was like number one. They fired him twice for the sin of being number one in, the, in his time slot. I mean, yeah. it's not well, like he... I don't know he, if that's why they fired him, but yeah. Well, they fired him because they thought, well, we better look out. Why? Because he was such a hard guy to work with? No, I just think they saw Fallon surging, and they saw that as the immediate future. I mean, they there was saw a they were there was a time where the ratings between those shows were getting close, which you know is what? very unusual. 
it speaks to the need in this business, kids, if you're watching <laughs> and you want to get in the business, you need someone talking for you, an agent, a manager, somebody, because yeah. Jay Leno had no one speaking for him. He was his own representative. Uh -huh. Whereas I think it was Ari Emanuel, one of the great talkers of all time and great people, I love him. I think he was in the ear of the NBC exec saying, you need to think about the future. Yeah, Ooh. sure, Jay is number one now, but you know what? What about the future? Let's let's get a let's get ahead of this. And so they fired mm -hmm. him for being number one twice, and the, the successors did not do as well. I'm just saying these are the the raw little, facts. I think it's and, more complicated than that. Well, tell me what uh, it. Okay. Well, tell me the complicated part. Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, Conan wanted the twelve the eleven thirty spot. And he went to NBC and said, I want the 1130 spot. If I don't get the 1130 spot, I'm going to become a free agent. And other networks are going to offer me the 1130 spot, which was happening, by the way. You know, yeah, the, sure. something that was happening. Right. And NBC said, listen, we want, to, we want to keep Jay on. We want you to be the 1130 host. What we'll do is we'll make a deal in five years. We'll give you the Tonight Show. And Conan now has to make a decision. Should I go to ABC at 1130 or stay here and wait and be a good soldier and take the Tonight Show at ABC. the end of it? Yeah, That's ABC. You. I know. Uh, but at the time, they were talking to him and Fox as to, well. To replace you with him? Yeah, to pr push me back or whatever, you know, move, move the show. A little. I was on at midnight at that time. Hmm. And um, Conan then had to make a decision, you know, do I... Go to another network, or do I stay here and wait? And he said, okay, I'll stay and wait. And then when he put in his five years, they broke the deal. Oh, so he did stay five years. He did stay five years. And then oh. Jay, who knows a lot about television, a lot about TV ratings, maybe more than anyone I've ever met. I'll bet. Was offered the 10 p.m. slot. Now, Which they don't took? have to violate Conan's contract. Jay knew that lead-in is hugely important and that NBC had had dramas that were fairly successful in those slots and they were bringing a pretty big audience to The Tonight Show, he knew that doing his show would have maybe half those ratings, turn out to be like a third. And even if that show failed, it would make The Tonight Show's ratings drop. And that's what happened. Conan had a bad lead-in from Jay. But should the, Jay have the not taken the 10 p.m. spot because of that? Why is Jay always looking out for Conan's interests? No, I'm I mean, not saying he's looking oh, out for Conan's interests. Okay. I'm just saying it's, it's somewhat diabolical, don't you think? Diabolical? I mean, I would never do anything like that. Why? So he should not have taken the 10 p.m. slot? He should not have kept working in the, air, in, the, in the job they offered him? He should say, no, because of Conan's career, I'm not going to work at 10 p.m. I don't get that. Yeah. But yeah, I think I, I think from the beginning his plan was to retake the Tonight Show, to see the ratings go down. You just don't like this guy. I don't know what he did to I, you. Well, I yeah. I, what did he do? Did he touch you, Jimmy? No, he did. He did do a weird <laughs> thing. Show me to where me. he touched you. But I don't want to make this all about because I, I'm fine with him now. We've spoken. Okay, it's fine. But just for the you know whatever. Just the I facts. hate it when two people I love don't like each other. Because I feel like I he, did something. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it wasn't no. your fault at all. <laughs> was it? It's just, uh, when ABC was, uh, when NBC was going to 
turned the show over to Conan, Jay was talking to ABC about coming on at 11.30. And Jay um, needed to get Bob Iger, they needed to get my permission in contractually because I was contracted to be on at midnight, not 12.30. So they wanted to get my permission first. And so at that time, Jay called me a lot and, you know, we spoke about all sorts of things and I felt like we were having a friendly relationship. And then the day NBC decided, no, we're keeping Jay, never heard from him again. (laughs) And I I didn't even find out from him that he was staying. He wanted me to move, he wanted to be on 1130 and I would move to 1230 and I finally said, okay, yeah, I think I would do that. I'd be on at 1230 after after you because I was on at midnight at the time. And I felt he'd be a better lead in the nightline. You know that. Wait, Jay was going to move to ABC? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I yeah. yeah. Either I forgot that or... No, I don't think most people even know that. But, oh, that, but I know it because right. I was okay. asked to move to 12.30. Yeah. So I don't know. I sometimes feel like maybe... Well, I I, I I got hope, a lot of friends. I don't need to. I don't need to. Like, I, I, I understand. You know what I mean. But I hope someday, out. as we all walk down the path of life. Well, this isn't going to make it better. <laughs> We've all had plenty of video conference calls these last few years. Why does the experience suck so badly? Choppy video, lag times that make it hard to pick up cues. I mean, how is your boss supposed to mansplain over you? That's where Signal Wire comes in. SignalWire is a technology arsenal that allows developers to create better real-time video communication apps quickly, because that's what we need, more apps. SignalWire empowers developers to create more natural, real-time interactive experiences, and SignalWire provides developer-friendly APIs and SDKs to help you get your app up and running with a few clicks and a snippet of code, instead of months of complex development work. It's been the choice of TV and film studios for remote looping and audio recording because it does what other video tech simply can't do. Visit SignalWire.com random to sign up for a free account and receive an additional 5,000 video minutes for testing your app or integration. Go to SignalWire.com random. Get communications APIs from the OGs of software-defined telecom at SignalWire. Go to SignalWire.com random today. You know what dad doesn't want for Father's Day? Besides mom, I'm kidding. Another piece of gear or device that feels like work. With an Aura digital frame, dad gets a gift that's as thoughtful as it is effortless to set up and use. Named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, it's guaranteed to make him happy. All he has to do is download the app and plug in the frame to instantly start adding photos and videos. You can even preload memories that will display as soon as he connects and the frame and invite loved ones to share from anywhere. It's the perfect gift in our digital world. And just imagine someone actually seeing those millions of pictures you took of your food. (gasps) From now until Father's Day, you can save on the perfect gift and visit AuraFrames.com. That's AuraFrames.com. Listeners and viewers can use code RANDOM and get up to $20 off while supplies last. Terms and conditions apply. Let me tell you a couple, a good Jay, a Jay Leno story. I met him when I was a teenager out front of uh, uh, the improv, I think. And he like, couldn't have possibly have been nicer to us. I mean, he was super nice and chatty and, you know, 
So, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not indicating, you know, whatever. I just think there's some weird things there. Well, he That's is what. a weird mix of, I think, a very moral guy. Um, but he, he's definitely Italian. He has a, a, a I mean, cunning, yes. Jay is smart about the business. I mean, he is ruthlessly smart. But I just didn't think it was uh, at the detriment of others, except if you're going after the same job, um, yeah, I don't, I don't find it off-putting that he was in the closet. Yeah, from my point of view, I got to know who he was from his appearances on Letterman. And I oh, thought yeah. he was cool because Dave put him on, and they seemed to be friendly, and he would give Dave shit. And he was always so funny. Oh, so you know? funny. Those were and great. And then it yeah. seemed weird that then after Dave kind of opened that door for him, that he'd be squeezing his way through the, the other one. Well, Dave opened that door for him. I mean, he was obviously, I remember those appearances too. He was obviously a big talent. You know, Chris Rock yeah. for years would always say, oh, thank you, because back in 1996, we put him on, we were doing, it was the 96 election. He was our correspondent, because he was at a kind of a down moment in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, in New Hampshire, it was funny, I can't find hair products up here, mm-hmm. you know. It gave him a little boost. People saw him and it, you know, helped the next step. But I always said to him, Chris, I didn't do anything. You're a giant talent. It would have happened anyway. I'm glad that we were able to like work together at a moment that was beneficial for us both, but it would have happened some other way. You're Chris Rock. And yeah, I but kind the of difference this, is that's yeah. how Chris feels. <laughs> right? It's not about how you feel, it's how Chris feels. And Jay is Chris in this situation. And this Chris is not so grateful. <laughs> Interesting the way you threw that Trump card down on me. I, I must say, I'm a little taken aback. But, okay, well, someday I'm going to do a Frank Sinatra to your Dean and Jerry. Not that you were ever Dean and Jerry. But uh, it's like, because, you know, there's so many, there's so few people who can understand the, what you and me and Jay and, you know, there's a little club of people who know yeah. what it's like to do a talk show and talk to many, many, many different people over the years. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I would be hard-pressed if someone, like, had a list of every guest I've ever had to read them and make me identify exactly who we're talking about because oh, yeah. I I just, you know, I, I don't remember everybody, Regis. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jimmy... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Especially because he's dead. He's not even... Oh, no. Is Regis dead? He did. He passed okay. away. Yeah. That's a relief. <laughs> I feel bad. I mean, I feel good. I mean, I feel bad. <laughs> I, feel, I feel good that he <laughs> was around for so long and terrible that it had to end so quickly. I had Regis so quickly. and Joy and Don Rickles and his wife Barbara over my house for dinner one night. I cooked them dinner. And one of the things I love about like old guys like that is nationality means so much in their characterization of you. Like Regis, ah, oh, look, he's Irish. He's like, he's drunk. He's drunk. He's, you know, it's, it's like yeah. you know, with Don, like all he could think about is you know, my mother's Italian. Is It's like, he's the kid's Italian. He's Italian. I think he thought I was Jewish at the, at the outset and was kind of hoping I was Jewish, but then it became the mob and spaghetti and all meatballs and Nothing all that shit. Nothing about you reads Jewish. You say that? Really? Yeah. Well, almost people think? think I'm Jewish. Yeah. Really? My last name, 
rhymes with a Jewish word. And, um, no. and also when I dated Sarah, I feel like a lot of people presumed that I was Jewish. I never presumed. Mm. Uh, Thank you. you no, no. You, you just do not. You do not. I'm, I don't have Judar. It was a joke, you, of course. <laughs> you do not set. If I had Judar, you would not set it off. Is it big, the big uh, crucifix no, on my I hairy th- chest? I, think, I, I feel like it's part and parcel to your amazing success. Really, twenty years is a long time in that piece of real estate. It's because, like Carson, and like. <laughs> your arch enemy, Jay Leno, <laughs> and David Letterman. There's something mid-American about you that appeals to the broad, not just the coasts, although you obviously do well there too, but like you strike people as American, and it's not like there's the Larry Davids and you know people love those kind of comics, but yes, they that's kind of like a Jewish sensibility they see there. I don't see the, see it with you, because you're not a Jew. <laughs> probably that's probably It's not why. a giant mystery. <laughs> and for America, that's good, because it, Jews are like 2% of the population. It's very good to be able to do well also in Muncie. <laughs> and lots of other places, you know. And yeah. I, I know you hate to be compared, but you and Jay, you both have your thumb well on the on the pulse of Middle America. You wouldn't have survived for that long in that spot if you didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that ice bucket, by the way. It reminds me like like my parents had one like that when we were in the seventies. You know, to... I remember it being. I still have mine right here. Okay. Right. Um, I remember being. Attracted to it in some way. Attracted? You know? That sounds sick. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't. Like you're tr- no, attracted. You know what I mean? No, what but you, like what you one day. Fuck, you want to fuck my ice bucket? One day I'm going to be a man who has an ice bucket. Oh, you that, know? yes, <laughs> you know? Well, I, my, the people I looked up to, like Manly, who I wanted to be a man, and if I, had a, if I was a man like these men, I'd be with lots of hot chicks, were Johnny Carson and James Bond. Yeah. They were the right age, and it's interesting, you know, they weren't, like, young. They weren't old, for sure. But All the they were celebrities like 40s, were older then. Yeah. 40s. 40s was like, is like the perfect age. Yeah. Like, fully a man, although I was, you know, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, looking back, I don't want to do it. But, uh, but you know, still, like, attractive, look good. Yeah. Dean Martin also, I must say, I could tell that, my mother was hot for really? Dean Martin, like watching the 10 o'clock, he had the Thursday 10 o'clock show we had, uh-huh. comes out with the perfect tan, yeah. sideburns, you know, the tuxedo and, you know, just white teeth and like, it's like, oh yeah, I would love to, I said, well, I can't be Dean Martin. <laughs> Uh, and I don't want to be Jerry Lewis. <laughs> it's got to be something in the middle. Carson, you know. <laughs> Who's your all-time favorite baseball player? All-time favorite baseball player. Well, I mean, there will always be someone, uh, I mean, a uh, connection for someone my age who grew up in the New York market with Mickey Mantle. I mean, my... A Yankee. Yes, my father appeared at the head of my first grade classroom one morning. I was shocked because... I'd never seen my father at the school. I didn't know what I thought. Maybe that it was an <laughs> emergency or yeah. a disaster. I was in trouble. 
but he was there to take me to my first baseball game. Like it was like, and he didn't tell you. He just showed right, up. Right, just got showed you. up. That's like a fucking marine back from Afghanistan. Oh, that's great. And uh, you know, I remember. I do have a. I have a clear memory of him talking to the teacher, and he must have been saying, "Hey, I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know school day's not out, but it's our one chance to go to a game." Blah blah blah. And so there, off I went. Wow. And. You know, the first, it's almost exactly the way Billy Crystal describes it Mm -hmm. often. (laughs) But like in his show, it's a Uh brilliant show. That's how it is. But walking into Yankee Stadium and before it had only been black and white on your television because your black and white TV showed the baseball games. And here it was, you walk out the tunnel and there's that giant expanse of verdant. I had that same experience because I had a little black and white TV. I watched all the Dodgers games growing up. And when my parents took us to Dodger Stadium, what really impre- what really stood out to me was that the Dodgers' numbers were bright red, right? Which I never really noticed, sure. in the, you know, in the newspaper. No, and it was just so big, you know. Yeah. And and there they were, and so Mickey Mantle. When I was seven, I had a flannel uniform like a Yankee pinstripe uniform with seven that my mother sewed on the back really and I wouldn't take it off all summer and she was begging me to because it was hot and it was flannel but it was Mickey Mouse so I guess that's back in my memory somewhere I mean when I got more um, thoughtful about sports um, I went right to Joe Pepitone no <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> Name some people. I mean, I like a lot of people, but, you know, they're basically... They're like into... Tom Seaver was that one of your... Yeah, Tom yeah. Seaver was great. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know you like the Mets. I just didn't know. I, I didn't know it was... Um, yeah. I Had assumed it was piece of them the for beginning. a while. It was fun. Yeah, right. And now they're doing great. I told you that story about the... Uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights. Yes. They offered me a piece of yes. their franchise, and I didn't uh, do it because I felt you told me it wasn't a great deal when you owned the Mets. It was a great deal. I don't it know. Was. You must have been high. You told I, me. I, I, it was. It, it was. You do- told me that you. they never give you any tickets. You don't even no. have a parking space there. You I always d- have to pay for tickets. That's. I would never have said that because oh. I never, that was not the case. Must be I had my, my own parking space. I mean, I made a major life decision based on I this. Made, I had my, they <laughs> were always great about that. I had my own parking space. And yes, you had to, like at the <sighs> World Series. Yeah, they, there were some things, but, you know, I mean, I guess that was in the contract. Anyway, mm-hmm. I went to the World Series. I had the greatest seats. Right. They were, they were, the Will Ponds were super nice to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no complaints about that. The problem was during the pandemic because we weren't playing baseball games. So they have these things called capital calls when you're an owner and you right. and you don't the team losing a lot of money, you got to pony up and so it was very scary to be running a baseball enterprise and not playing baseball. Right. And then when we did play there was no one in the stands to buy hot dogs. That was a troubling time. I was worried about that way more than the getting the fucking Andromeda strain. <laughs> I was worried about that. <laughs> That's so crazy. Never think about that. You have a piece of a team that you, it, might be, it might, be, might not be. Uh, oh, you might have to pay up. Absolutely. Yes, and I did. Luckily, Mr. Steve Cohen came along the next year, 
and the Met sold, yeah. and uh, it actually turned out to be a great thing. But uh, yeah, there was some fucking nervous moments. Yeah. Um, but well, now I'm back. I mean, to, now I think I made the right decision. <laughs> yes, you know what. <laughs> but of course, well, the Golden Knights went I, to the Stanley Cup in their first season. Is which, that right? Yeah, which Are they is a professional team. Yes, it's an oh. NHL team. It's like unheard of. I don't know. I know so sports. little about hockey, and I'm so actively against it that I can't really judge that. You know, because hockey, I don't know, and I don't even think it should be here. It's not really American. It's boring, like soccer. It's a sport, sort of, just more like exercise. <laughs> so I'm not. So I can't judge. Have that. you gone to a game live? But no, of course not. It's it's different. It's it's oh, more sure, fun. It's in even more boring. But um, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not boring. You're you're right up at the glass if you get good seats oh, so well. and just you know they're constantly it's smashing like into cold the wall, and all covered up. It's you can horrible. really see them fighting. It's, I don't care. And I'll go to a fight <laughs> if I want to see them fighting. But in general, of all the things that goes up in value, this is why I did this deal back in 2011, sports teams. People in this fucking country, you know better than anybody, love sports. And those investments never go down. Could they? Yes, in a small market, but not the New York baseball franchise. Mm -hmm. There's only one National League baseball franchise, and it's not going anywhere. It's like Mark, Mark Twain said about real estate, God made the earth, but he ain't making any more. <laughs> And they ain't making any more National League Baseball franchises. Yeah. So I don't know if that's anything like what this one is in hockey. Does it sound like it has quite the tradition? No, but, so the, but it's, I but think it's you been made hu the, hugely successful um, as far as um, attendance and fan excitement. Going to, it was a really big story. Like it, it hadn't happened in any professional sport since like the early 60s. I think. But if somebody offers you like something in a legacy team, and when I say legacy yeah. team, like I, if if there's like a World Series, uh, as there usually is, without the Mets in it, so I don't really care who wins. I always root for the team that's been around longest. Mm -hmm. I root for the team whose baseball cards I had when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. If it's the Detroit Tigers against the Marlins. Fuck the, the Brewers in the American <laughs> League. <laughs> Not even the Brewers. It was the Milwaukee Braves before they went to Atlanta. Before they went to Atlanta, well. Right. Yeah. Hank Aaron. Yeah. I also had a card that said Bob Clemente. Really? Bob? Nice. Because he couldn't say Roberto. <laughs> because that, that was for that era. That was a Bob. little too ethnic. <laughs> Bob Clemente. You have baseball cards? I do. I have some baseball cards, uh, but they're cards I collected when I was a kid. You gotta come over one day, and I'll... <laughs> I, mean, I am over. What am I ten? <laughs> yes, apparently I am. You gotta come over one day. Seriously, I'll go through my cards. You got good ones. I'm amazing. Like that's great. Like the years, like sixty, like maybe three, four, five, something like that. Mm -hmm. When I was like seven, eight, nine. Very complete. Did you um, flip cards when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah, we Somewhat. used to do that And you put too. them in the spokes of your bike. Yeah, yeah. That, but, yeah, I, I valued them too much to do that, but we'd flip them all the time. It was yeah. just nonstop gambling with the cards. 
I got a Mets team card once. And yeah, kid, team card. Oh, the checklist. Mets team card was Remember fucking Remember the checklist big. card? Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, the kid, uh, this kid Mark, his parents owned the grocery store in Brooklyn, milk and stuff. And he was so upset that I got the Mets team card. He made them open all of the cards in the store. And they didn't get another Mets team card. and wound up trading him the Mets team card for all of those wow. cards. <laughs> Hundreds of cards. It was like a scene out of Willy Wonka. It was like they're opening these packs, oh. looking for this Mets team card. Do, do they still have cards? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Hmm. Yeah, cards are bigger than ever. You know, I not only have baseball cards. Oh, Jimmy, when you come over here, <laughs> we're going to have such a good day. Not only do I have baseball cards, I have other cards that I that were Beatle cards. Wow. Batman cards. Yeah, I've two seen kinds, those. one drawing, one photograph. Really? Yes, two two uh-huh. editions Martian cards. The there was a movie uh, Jack Nicholson was in it. It was called uh, something. Let's go to Mars or Mars Attacks. Oh, I think yeah. it was Tim Burton. Uh, Tim Burton, right? Mars Attacks. That was from a set of cards that I have. Wow. Still, as a kid, did you collect about, wacky packages? What's you that? know wacky packs? No, what's that? Um, wacky packs. That was a big thing. Like they they take like a. A product like a tube of Crest toothpaste, and they change it to crust, and crust would be coming oh, yes. out of it. You know, like that kind I of stuff. I think I have those cards. Yeah, I love those those wacky pack cards. I have um, Munster cards. Really? Wow. Or maybe it's Adam's family. One of those. Yeah. And you remember buying them when you were a kid? No. Oh. I don't remember. I don't know how I have them. The baseball cards, I know how I have, because I did save my nickels and dimes to go buy cards, packages of bad. Remember, you get that stale gum? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and you would open it up, and you're like, oh, who did I get? A little bit of gum was... dust would come out. Yeah, and you see, and sometimes you get, like, some, like, shitty San Diego Padre. You'd be like, right. oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? The best ones from the, I don't know if they still did it, but there was, like, okay, each guy, Bob Clemente and, you know, Raleigh Fingers, whoever it is. Then, checklist card, ugh, worst. Team card, second worst. But best was like when they had two or three stars, sometimes from different oh, teams, yeah, right. standing together with a special card. Buck Blasters. Right. You know, and it was Clemente and Willie Stargell or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, yeah, for like the American League and National League best first oh, baseman. Oh, yes. Like Rod Carew and Steve Gardner. Right. It would yeah. be, yeah, like Hank Aaron and Willie Mays together, you know. Like, right. Uh, yeah. See, for us, the team cards were uh, big, but only teams we liked. We, we didn't care about the Expos. Racist victim bashers. <laughs> Did you ever play any of those celebrity softball games where you get to play with like those guys, like Gossage was one, and Winfield, these guys in, in one of these games? Games? What kind like of Like a celebrity softball game. They'll do them oh, with the All-Star. I played in the, uh, a couple of years, I was in something at Dodger Stadium. They sent over a uniform. You got in a Dodger uniform with the stirrups, the whole thing. It was kind of cool. Yeah. I remember I went with Alan Thicke. Wow. Um... And 
I it was a game. I loved it. Yes. Yeah. Tony Danza got me out with a little 10 cent curveball, grounded <laughs> to third. Um, I remember Jonathan Silverman. Wow. Like, really hit it a long way. Oh, really? Like, very impressive. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Scarlett Burke, star and creator of the original scripted country music series, Make It Up As We Go. This groundbreaking podcast tells the story of how the working class do their best to survive and occasionally thrive in the world of writing songs for modern country music. And we are back for season two. I'm just trying to gain You'll hear new music from myself, Shooter Jennings, L. King, Liz Rose, Nile Rogers, and more. You can find Make It Up As We Go on SiriusXM, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and download so you never miss an episode. Did you know HBO Max had podcasts? I'm on my podcast talking about the podcast on my network. This must be what the metaverse feels like. Now go even deeper inside your favorite shows with audio companions to some of the most groundbreaking and award-winning shows on television. Listen to HBO Max's new companion podcast for the original series, The Staircase. Each episode, host Nancy Miller sits down with cast and crew, including actors Colin Firth and Tony Collette, as well as experts to help unpack the science, history, and psychology behind the Michael Peterson case. Stream new episodes of The Staircase on HBO Max and subscribe to The Staircase podcast podcast on all major podcast platforms you have so many like of these big celebrity friends what's that about <laughs> like jennifer aniston and like well you it's know, funny howard stern it's funny i still have... say some other motherfucker that you're friends with some other i still have my best friends from high school <laughs> oh i do oh bring out the award uh, but it's, for a good guy. It's not just. It's not just. <laughs> but do why they am party, I being defensive about? But do this? they party with Jennifer Aniston? <laughs> yeah. No, you keep them separate. That's actually not true. Really? Yep. Actually, specifically not true. In fact, but would she my go friend out with Jimmy them? Gentleman, who was <laughs> Jimmy Gentleman, Jimmy Gentleman. Come his on, name. there's nobody named Jimmy. Jimmy Gentleman, and um, there's actually two people named at him, and his dad's John Gentleman. But I think of you as Jimmy Gentleman. <laughs> it's funny. My uncle Vinny was like, thought it was a nickname. He's like, because yeah, because you're like the jerk, and he's like the the gentleman. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not the jerk. Anyway. Uh, we knew that he's so polite he wouldn't come Who? if Jimmy Gentleman oh. to Jennifer Aniston's house if he knew that's where he's going. So we lied to him. We told him we we're going back to our house and um, just drove there, and he was a nervous wreck the whole time. Why? Because he felt he was not worthy to set foot yeah. in Gen- Yeah, which is not true, and he, he loosened up after a while. Right. I hope you slapped the snot out of him. What a... He needs to be disabused of that notion. Yeah, well, I think that, he was disabused. Well, okay. Yeah. No, if you, I, if you insist. <laughs> I, you can, I'll let you talk to him. <laughs> I, would I like agree to, with you. I would like to interview Jimmy Jones. I agree with you completely. And uh, try to convince him. I what do you like? Lighter. Try to convince him that uh, just because... He is one of your Memphis Mafia. I, ass- I assume that's why you keep him around, Jimmy. I, I assume he's like the Memphis Mafia. He is your gopher. No, he not does, at all. He, <laughs> he's got, he lives in Las Vegas. He's got a wife and children. His oh, kid and just went to college. And you make them work for you, too? Is no, that nobody, works, like? nobody works for me. <laughs> I know. I'm fucking with no. him. I'm a comedian. Who are you? You know, I've been smoking this, so I, I think it's a little... Jesus Christ. And what are you drinking, Wine? 
I'm drinking wine, yeah. Jesus, what are you, Have Orson you ever had Wells it? in 1985? <laughs> with your beard and your wine? Yes, I am. <laughs> you remember when Orson Wells was on the, oh, shall yeah. we say, downslide when he was a fat old legend? Commercials fat, a fat old legend. Shitty and he'd always wine. be on like Merv Griffin and he just made the rounds and it yeah. was like, you know, of course he's a legend, but that was the elephant in the room. It's like, okay, you haven't done anything in 30 years, <laughs> but you're Orson Welles. And <laughs> and he would, I guess, regale them with raconteur-like tales of <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> One time, we Hayworth was, was twerking on my balls. And <laughs> Wouldn't you love to have, though, a reel of him on talk shows? <laughs> you know, from the 70s. It would not be hard to find. <laughs> He's wearing a scarf. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a scarf, a cigar, always a prop cigar. Uh-huh. Uh, and a big cloak, because he was just big as a house by then. And, and, of course, Lana Turner was always twerking on his nuts, which he referred to as the Magnificent Ambersons. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> no, it's one of his movies. <laughs> what? Oh, it's one funny. of his famous movies, is The Magnificent <laughs> Ambersons. It's actually, some people say, his best movie. I watched Citizen Kane recently, again. It's like one of those movies that you watch every 10 or 20 years because you think, maybe I missed it the first time. <laughs> why it was so great. It's like, maybe I missed it the second time. Why it's so great. No, I'm not, it's not bad, but it's a little like the Mona Lisa. Very overrated. Like it just sort of got to this place in the public consciousness and, you know, no one ever accused them of being geniuses. So like they just made it, they just anointed this thing to be like the greatest picture, the greatest uh, movie. And uh, it's neither close to the greatest. It's, It's an interesting movie. I like it, but enough. It's just not what it, what they say it was. However, Gone with the Wind, as overstuffed as it is, is still... Casablanca is a good one. Oh, yes, Casablanca. I talked about this, I think, with Quentin Tarantino here. It doesn't make sense because um, the the, the whole thing hinges on the idea that there are these letters of transit, Mm -hmm. which can get you out of Nazi-occupied Morocco. And if you have the letters of transit, the Nazis will never touch you. And that is not really how I see the <laughs> You don't think a letter of transit would... <laughs> That's just right. No, I, I don't know if that may be true. Letters of transit. So do you like have movie nights at your house where you watch, like, I'm sure a, a giant mogul, even though you have your high school friends still, like you, gets like the big movies that are out, so they want you to see it, so you'll promote it. And I get a link to those. I watch them on TV at my house. Mm. and um, Watch them from where? Where are you watching? alone. Where are you when you're watching? In the it? living room. In the living room. I have a 100-inch TV that's about 13 years old and starting to show it. 100 <laughs> inches? It's a huge TV. I'll take out just enough to beat you. But, um, okay, so you're watching in the living room. You I watch, watch it, it with Molly? Yeah, usually, okay. hopefully. So like this Often is, not. And then you talk about it after, like your assessment of it, or like this is something... You want to know really how I do it? Honestly... And I wonder if you do this too. I will... If the producers tell me it's good, I'll watch it. If they don't, I won't, because I don't want to have to give any commentary that exactly. isn't positive. And I think it's better to just be honest. And 
I haven't seen it yet. Exactly the conclusion I came to. Yes. Yeah, right. It doesn't come up as much for me because I'm not on five nights a week like right. you are, and mine is not a... And you're not plugging their mostly, product. Mostly, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, Rod Stewart was on a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I like Rod Stewart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've listened to yes. him forever. He's Rod Stewart. He's great. It was, it's not a problem. He's one of those Dean Martin type guys, Rod Stewart. Oh. The, that level. I think he was more... Dean Martin was mostly a, a myth. He was not really a drunk or a right. womanizer. You know, Rod Stewart really... He was a golfer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a golfer, yes. He's a strange guy. You know, he drank himself to death at the old... Uh, remember the, the place that was... Hamburger Hamlet. It was on the corner. Really? Yeah, it's now some other trendy thing, but it was the... I remember that place. ...corner there. of right where Sunset goes into Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Sunset kind of branches there, Doheny, mm-hmm. a little past Doheny. Okay, Hamburger Hamlet. And he just sat in the back. He had his booth his last few years and kind of like drank himself to death. I mean, that's what they said, alone at Hamburger Hamlet. And like, why? I know his, no, he lost his son mm-hmm. early. I mean, it's horrible when uh, uh, we, any parent to face a child that predeceases you. It's got to be rough. Yeah. But still, you know, come on, Dino. I don't, I don't understand why people, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I never had kids. And do you, th- yeah. Well, it's some, you know, I think about this sometimes, that some of these older guys, like Rickles, you know, like they just get such a kick out of the fact that younger guys like us like, are interested in them and yeah. that they're Mel still Brooks. relevant. Mel Brooks yeah. still around, and you can express that to him. And don't I have. You, and, and I have too. And I, yeah. don't, don't you, I think like, I think that ma- that's makes is one of the things that makes us very lucky because I think that when we're in that position, you know, there'll be a handful of people at least who are wanting to, are interested in our lives and whatever, and a lot of old people don't have right. that. Right. You know? And um, yes. I think that that's always nice, you know, and I think I could see how important it was to Don and um, to some of these guys. But every perspective you have must be different than mine because you have four kids. Maybe not every, but really, I, I mean, I'm sure not every because I think we large. I largely agree with your perspective, but um, yeah, but that doesn't. But you mean my daily? Well, you. Th- I mean, even, I don't know anything like climate. You know, you're got to mm-hmm. be thinking about. I mean, I I'm only thinking about what the world's going to be like. <laughs> sadly, mm-hmm. for the next twenty years. Mm-hmm. You know, to well, be to be real, but I mean, but I like, love that, like, you've got to be thinking about what the world's gonna be like for the next eighty because the kid is ten. Sure, and then they're gonna have kids. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I do. Sure, I do. I, but you know, Norman Lear does too, and he's ninety nine years old. Is he really? Yeah, he'll be a hundred in July. What, what does he think about climate kids? change? Oh, he's, climate change. You right. Know, he's you know right I think that right. Well, you have to have that attitude. You can't, once you feel like you're dead already, you're dead already. You have to feel like, yeah, to, it's all about tomorrow. I never look yeah. back. I mean, of course, you think. You don't really. Well, I, I, I. Do you waste water? <laughs> Why? I don't know. Because I'm going to fuck up the future for your kids? 
Uh, no, I'm just asking if you waste water. I or, try not to. I would. Uh, I don't, don't do it on purpose. Right. Well, you do it on purpose, but you won't leave the shower like going for 15 minutes. Absolutely not. Right. No. 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 I, I think do, that, I don't do anything. That so would I think you water. have an overall. But even if I did, it wouldn't make any difference. I mean, I'm one of, you know. Yeah, but it makes a difference when like-minded people start doing those things. You know. And I think also for well, people who do that stuff, it's good to hear that other people will do it. People are not going, I don't think you're ever going to get people to do enough to affect on an individual basis of voluntarism yeah. to affect climate change. I just don't think you will. Uh, people want to live a baller lifestyle. They want to, all of them want to take a private jet. But the only people who don't take private jets are the people who can't afford a private jet. They all want to. If they could, they would. If a private jet was cheap, the skies would be filled with private jets, which are the right. worst thing for the environment. Right, right. They're not serious about it, and that's okay. And there's countries like China and India where the people have been denied for all these years because of poverty, refrigeration sometimes even, certainly cars, and now they're getting them, and their view is, oh, we should give it up now, right. now that you already enjoyed it, you rich white people, and now we're getting it, so that's not gonna sell. Mm -hmm. That's not the way we get out of this, if we get out of it, which I don't think we will. Have a good night, Jimmy. <laughs> well, say hi to your kids for me. <laughs> I'm just being devil's advocate because I don't, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. But I, I do, I hope that we make the connection with these things to our children. We actually make that connection, where we go like, oh, if I waste all this water, my children are not going to have water to drink, and their children are not going to have water to drink. Yeah. I mean, we but should care about our we actual children. Well, if we don't care about the children of the world, we, at least our own children we should care about. Okay, but if shoulds and buts were beer and nuts, we'd have a hell of a party. Yeah. We yeah. should do a lot of things, and we're just not. Again, it's not my fight even, because, like, I think the planet will be somewhat here. <laughs> <laughs> when it's ready to get rid of me. Well, the planet will be here, yeah. Right. The planet's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. The people on it are fucked. Yes. But I'm saying I think there'll be some way to survive. You know, 100 years from now, 50 years from now, I don't know about that. I don't know. I mean, there's. I always think things that are depicted in movies as the future always come true. Because they do. And the thing they depict a lot in movies in the future is an apocalyptic wasteland brought about by either nuclear war or environmental devastation. Well, your then, original point I'm interested in is that you say that these movies, the things they put in the movies, eventually come true. Right. But, I mean, that's certainly not the case with everything. I mean... Jimmy, remember when we didn't used to have flying cars? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the flip, okay, the flip phone that Captain Kirk had, we totally have. I mean, how about like the Jetsons had those, those food pills that were like your whole dinner, <laughs> you know? Uh, 
Some people do eat like a lot of, I mean, Ray Kurzweil like has 300 pills a day. Uh, remember Minority Report? Yeah. With Mr. Tom Cruise? Uh-huh. Okay. Probably one of your friends. You have Emily Blunt and Tom win. Cruise. Emily Blunt, yes. He was like moving things on a screen with his hands. I remember watching that and going, whoa, look at that. It was completely futuristic. And within two years, we were all doing it. And then seven years later or whatever it was, it was every Yeah, but phone. they found out from the company that they were going to be doing it. And so they put well, it I'm in just there. saying they imagined it on the screen and uh -huh. then it became a reality. Right. And I worry that that will happen with... Uh, the apocalypse. I mean, there's just a lot of these movies. But do you think Star Trek will happen? Like, where we'll have ships and we'll be <laughs> shooting around all over the place? Um, not if we do the other one first. <laughs> we wipe out civilization. Because, I mean, think of all those kind of movies. The, you know, Mad Max and the, the barren wasteland is one where Matthew McConaughey has to go discover another planet because nothing grows anymore. I mean, I could see us. No, I think we like so, to see those things in the same way like that we find entertainment in seeing murders. Like that uh, we know like eventually like our lives are going to end and for some reason like a murder mystery like is very exciting to us, entertaining. Yeah, but a murder mystery, yes, can be entertaining because we're not the ones. Or even just this We're stuff. not the ones getting murdered. The Terminator where people are just getting Yeah, but away. in this scenario, we're all getting murdered. You know, if nothing grows... I mean, that's the premise of that movie where, and I'm a fan of Matthew McConaughey, but like, come on, a scientist? <laughs> he just doesn't read scientists. Like, the scientist is going to figure this shit out. I would not pick the that. The world's most I, handsome I mean, I, scientist. I, I'm not saying he's a bright guy, but I'm just saying he's not that guy. Okay, but he's got to like find something through the wormhole or something, and it's just a bad plan. And, but the idea that things don't grow anymore that could happen. I mean, it certainly has happened in many areas of the Earth. What if it happened all over the Earth? You think photosynthesis might come to an end? Well, I think you can burn out... Uh, you can make things too hot for anything to grow, yes. But you know, you can... Now, hydroponically, you can grow things with very tiny amounts of water. Yeah, so you're saying we grow all the crops... In, in your mom's basement? Yeah, basically. <laughs> so, I don't know. Whenever I fly over the country, it looks like a lot of the country is farmland. It would ha be hard to get that inside. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It would be hard to get that inside. Yeah, they do. You'd be surprised. The whole country between, <laughs> between the Hudson River and San Bernardino? No. I think I they don't... should turn every cemetery into farmland. You know, like, well, why not cemeteries have are a waste. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, people are squeamish about their dead relatives. Yeah. I mean, you got to. I feel that, like that my would... dead relatives would like a potato or a tomato vine on their, yeah. on their crypt. <laughs> it's more natural. You're right. Yeah. I mean, but you, that's one thing. It's very hard. I, I would not want to. If I'm going to pick my battles, pick that one, like convincing people what to do with their dead relative. You know, right. I think, I feel like they got their feelings about it, <laughs> right? It's very personal and emotional and not logical, and that's okay. You know, I, I got to give them that. What a job to pick, though, if you think about it. I, like What? A job where all day, every day, for weeks and months and years, your job is to console um, 
the relatives of dead people. Oh, you're talking about like a funeral director? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, there are jobs, I mean, obviously proctologist is another one where you have to wonder, like yeah, with why all this the one? panoply yeah. of professions available, who, I mean, gynecologist, I could see that's like a goof idea you had in high school, ah, I gotta look at pussies all day, and then you kinda just kept, <laughs> stayed with it. But the asshole one, I don't, I don't see that one. I think they get paid a little more. Oh, well, maybe they're, then what? Than other specialties. All other specialties? You mean there's a special? I think there are. Some, <laughs> I don't know. That they have I don't to know throw what. The, in. But I do feel like I've yeah. looked this up. It would, <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't even want to look this up because then what would come to me from people who thought this was my area of interest? Like if I was like. I got to tell you, from my father, it's definitely his area of interest. I mean, all, all we talk about is his bowel movements and. His farting and um, why? Because he's infirm. No, not at all. He just oh. is proud of his bowel movements and wants to tell me about them. Like sometimes he'll walk right in the door and immediately start telling me about a shit he took the day before. It happens all the time. That, he sometimes takes pictures of them and sends them to me. Oh come on! And I'm saving a file of them for his funeral. I'm going to do a slideshow for the family. Is this because your father has a good sense of humor and this is a joke? Um, part. A little he knows, bit. He knows you're laughing at this. Yeah, but he also loves it. It's like, it, it's like people singing karaoke. Like you know, like they oh they're goofing around, whatever. But they fucking love being. I say my dad loves. But it sounds like you have a kind of a buddy relationship with your father. I do, but he also will do this with anyone. So like, I never had that with like my sister in law. He'll tell her about his right. like he his shits. He sounds very. Laid back, your father, not like... <laughs> he is pretty laid okay. back. Okay, my father was, was much more uptight than that. Great guy, but like that would not have happened yeah. between us. My dad looks just like Wolf Blitzer, like almost exactly, uh -huh. and um, is... Uh, now he's still, your mother... My me, parents are both alive. Yep. Still together? Still together, yeah. Wow, how many years have they been together? They just last weekend celebrated their 56th anniversary. Come fucking on. Yeah. 56 years. Yeah. That's, and are they looking around? <laughs> well, my mother is on an app. <laughs> wow. I can't, I can't even, uh, I just can't imagine. That's. Yeah. They got married. My mom was 20 years old. They got married. Wow. It's crazy. And, um. Uh, What's their relationship like? Perfect? Because it's they've been through no, all the... No, it's not perfect, but... They, but kind of it's never big. There's never any big anything. It's, it's just a series of little... Well, like, I feel like when married... I feel like marriage is from... what, well, of course, not speaking from personal knowledge, but from what I've seen and my parents, I feel like it's good in the beginning, and then there's a, a difficult period... <laughs> for like 50 years, <laughs> which, you know, where you're still like sort of, you know, uh, subliminally resentful, resentful someone yeah. of the other because someone's not getting enough sex uh -huh. and sex is an issue and it's a hard thing to, it's a hard thing to manage a good sex life after you've been with someone for a while, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to a point where you're past that. I feel like I remember that in my own parents' marriage huh. when they got and and suddenly it's like you've traveled together. I mean, they, they, it's like you have this great 
golden years memory of your wonderful life together and all you built together and all those memories and and you don't have this monkey on your back about and we should be fucking right and that becomes like the second great period of, of a marriage i think this is the way it is it's just that little middle 50 it's just years that 50 years in the middle <laughs> other than that it's, it works like a charm yeah it's just that i call it an interregnum but oh jimmy yeah so all right i gotta go back to my job all right Oh, yeah, I got really appreciate you putting up with... That was fun. My, was it? It was a lot of fun. I yeah. loved it, but... It was a lot of fun. I don't know if you were just putting on an act for me. <laughs> but I hope, no, I I hope you I loved had a good it, time. because I adore you. You're just such a great guy. Ever since you gave me that box of porn, <laughs> at, when we changed up our jobs, you know, you could have been a dick about it, and, you know, it's just never in your nature. You're well, all, you're I, all, You know, people, you've, you've done so well partly because... You know, when you're on TV that much for that long, the old cliche, you know, you can't hide. You can't hide who you are, you know. And people just like you, and they're right. Well, <laughs> and they're nice right. Nice to say that. It's Thank true. You, you know, I, I told you the story of um, one of the great uh, shows I ever saw was um, uh, you and Seinfeld in, at Arizona State University when I was in college. And, uh, and you were great. You were just wow. so great. I remember. We were I, I on remember. The same show. I remember jokes from it. I remember. You we, know. we were both doing stand up on the same show. Yeah, you guys were doing a big college tour. Wow. It was you and Jerry and I'm forgetting a third guy, but hmm. uh, it was just so great. And uh, wow. I, I remember thinking, uh, Bill Maher was like the, was the funniest one. No. I did. I'm yeah. sure I wasn't. The Jerry was you were talking about poppers and goofers and your father. Really? And, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess great. this was like eight, late, late 80s? Yeah. Oh, That's God. exactly right. Before Seinfeld. It's like 1988, yeah, he was, 87, 88. Yeah, because it would be, obviously he wouldn't have been doing that. And then I got politically incorrect in 93. Yeah. So. yeah. Oh, where did it go? Yeah. It's so funny, you know, like my actual life, better now than back then for sure in so many ways it's just that little but i'll be dead soon thing yeah boy i <laughs> or could, sooner i, I know, relate that, to that <laughs> with every fiber of my being yeah, i relate it's to that, that little fly in the ointment if they could just work on that but every once in a while you have COVID, that, that little little glimpse that little flash of like yeah. Being on a trip to California with your friends and like driving around and what that felt like and how. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just got to be. I mean, it doesn't get any better than no. that. I remember my first time out in California so vividly. You know, the palm trees. Like, yeah. I'd never seen that. And just, it's sort of like. Everything you'd seen on TV, because it's all over every TV show. The way the the, stu the way the street signs looked, I remember that so much. Like I had seen it so many times. Those blue LA street signs, which we don't have back east. They're not mm -hmm. blue. The street signs, mm -hmm. and then you would see it. I had a gig once in uh, La Jolla. Mm -hmm. I was my first year out here, and I never found the gig. I found La Jolla. 
<laughs> That's good. <laughs> but I never found a street called La Jolla. That right. could be a contender for your book title, the I'm Gaspacho gonna, book. I've got to go back to my real job. You know, I really do. I really go right back to working on real time. I am going to, too. And All right, now we do can, my homework. Now we can hug. Thank you. That was fun. <laughs> this is what we want when we're kids, a clubhouse. Right. You know, clubhouse, that word I will accept, not man cave. Clubhouse. Clubhouse, yes. Yeah. Very clubby. Yeah. It's more of a disco when the music is on. Yeah. I, I, I,